that be you Sunday, all right? Everybody say daylight savings time. Starts this Sunday. Go to bed early. I know none of y'all are going to do that. Everybody's thinking, oh, okay, well, if I miss church, we're going to be texting you at 6 a.m. All right, well, go ahead and pull out your sermon notes. Uh, a lot of verses tonight, not a lot of notes. We're looking, you know, last week we talked about Joseph, and we learned some lessons from Joseph, and, uh, <clears throat> and there's a lot of lessons we could learn from Joseph. I mean, you could probably teach for a year just on the life of Joseph, and uh, he did so, there's so many things that you can learn, but, uh, you know, uh, as, tonight we're going to look at the birth of Moses as God begins to shift uh, and, you know, Israel through, through um, excuse me, through Joseph, all the, uh, the Israelites all came to Egypt at his, at his invitation. And then uh, now you're going to see Moses coming to the picture, and they've been there a while, okay? Uh, and so uh, we're going to just jump right into the story a little bit. But uh, Joseph, he basically saved his family, which would later, later become the nation of Israel, uh, but he grows older, and, uh, and so he says this. He knows that one day his descendants will leave Egypt. Now, all the descendants don't really know that, but Joseph knows one day they're going to leave. So he said, listen, take my bones with you when you go back to the land that God promised us. And so here's what it said. He said in Genesis 50, if you've got a Bible, Genesis chapter 50, verse 24 through 26. It's also on your sheet of paper. He said, soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers. But God will surely come help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. That's pretty old. We just had a 110-year-old in Covington die last week, I think. It was the fourth oldest man in the country. <coughs> says the Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. And so uh, Jacob had died, and, uh, and then his brothers died. I imagine some of them died before him, but, but some of the other ones died. It says in Exodus chapter 1, uh, <clears throat> verse 1 through 6, Going from Genesis to Exodus, it just kind of continues. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is of Jacob. Remember, Jacob wrestled with God and his name got changed, right? So these are the sons of Israel uh, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. Aren't y'all glad y'all's mama didn't name y'all some of these names? Uh, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, God, uh, Gad, and Asher. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, and that entire ending, that entire generation. So what's happened is, is uh, this generation that saw God deliver them is now gone from Egypt. And guess what? That means the generation of Egyptians that knew what Joseph did to save their kingdom is also gone, including the Pharaoh who made him number two. So the sons of Israel here it talks about are the descendants of Jacob or of Israel. Remember, he got his name changed. And, uh, and his family had moved to Egypt. So here he's saying the sons of Egypt, he, want, uh, he wanted uh, them to take his bones out. And so that's Jacob's descendants. 
And, uh, and so what's happening here is the Israelites are growing in numbers. Uh, they're very fertile people, and they're having babies like crazy. And, and, uh, and so what's happening then, too, is they're foreigners, and even though they're living in the land of Egypt, they're living in an area separate from the Egyptians. They're not by the Egyptian cultural centers. They're up in the land of Goshen, and, you know, the, the, the Israelites worship one God, God of you know, Jehovah, they worship one God. The Egyptians worship all kinds of gods and uh, all kinds of fake gods and, and all. The, the Israelites were wanderers, but the Egyptians had a deeply rooted culture where they were. The Israelites were shepherds, but the Egyptians were builders, hence the pyramids and all that stuff, uh, you know, that, that was built there. And so Joseph and all his brothers died, and that entire generation that, that knew what God had done, uh, and, and came over at the invitation of Joseph, they were all gone. And look at, at in verse 8, it says this, Eventually, a new king, a new pharaoh, came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. So the, here this king has come, and, uh, and so he doesn't know anything about what Joseph did. Now, we don't know how many years this is. They were there for 400 years. They were enslaved, so... So it's, it's a while so that, you know, you, you're just a generation away from losing stuff. And, um, and so eventually a new king came to power. He didn't know anything about Joseph. Matter of fact, you can write this down. We're always one generation from losing our faith heritage. I mean, if, if we don't teach our children, the next generation is going to know less than we do about our faith. And then if they don't teach, the next, and it's done. It's done. All you've got to do is block one generation from handing down the faith. And, uh, and so that's what's happened here. And so the, the, the Israelites are, are missing that generation. They've got a new king in Egypt who doesn't know anything about what Joseph had done and the promises that the previous Pharaoh had made. So look in verse 9. The, the Israelites are still growing so much, and the Egyptians become afraid of them. Most powerful country in the world. They're afraid of the Israelites. So Pharaoh said to his people, Look, the people of Israel are now out now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. So the Israelites now outnumbered the Egyptians. They worked harder. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. Now, you understand that. The leader, the leader of the country is saying, We've got to make a plan to limit these people. And keep them from growing more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So he was afraid that they would join with any enemy that came against Egypt and, uh, because they were outsiders, even though they've been graciously spared by Egypt. And uh, so it just shows sometimes people that are in power are just a little bit paranoid, right? And uh, you probably know some of those. You can watch CNN and Fox and see some of those and, and stuff. But Pharaoh was afraid of the Israelites because they just kept growing. So he was afraid. And uh, so he, he decided to come up with a plan against them to prevent them from growing. So he made them all slaves. And, uh, and so he, he, he used, a lot of civilizations then used slaves out of conquered nations and Israel was not a conquered nation. They'd been brought there by invitation, but they were outsiders. So they were made into slaves for the Egyptians. And they did 
all the labor for the Egyptians. So we're, and so the pyramids were most likely built by Hebrews, by Jews, by Israelites, and uh, who did the labor on them. Now, the Egyptians might have done the design and all that stuff, but the, the, the millions of, of uh, Israelites that were there did the work. And so look what they did. In verse 11, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal, underline brutal, slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. Now, they were hoping to wear them down so that they'd stop making babies, all right? They wanted them to stop growing. They wanted to kill them off, and they wanted to shrink the population of Israel. Uh, you know, we've done that with Planned Parenthood and abortions in this country. And, uh, and so they were, they were doing their own deal. They figured up they're going to they're try and do this. So they enslaved them, and they were trying to force them uh, to re- a reduction in the population. And, uh, and so it says this in verse 12. The more the Egyptians tried to oppress them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. The more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Let me tell you something. The Israelites for 400 years were enslaved and abused by the Egyptians like no other uh, time in history. And so Pharaoh, uh, you know, he's working them to death. He's trying to get rid of them. And then he comes up with a plan to reduce the Hebrew population. Very similar to what we do with abortion today. He decides we're going to kill all the male babies. We're going to kill the male babies. In China, they kill the female babies. And so... uh, we're going to kill the male babies. And so he ordered, we might have just got kicked off Facebook, I don't know. but uh, He ordered all the male babies to be killed. So in verse 15, it says, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shiprah, I mean, y'all glad your mama didn't name you that, and, and Pua. I mean, how would you like to go through the na- all your life with the name Pua? Uh. And so when... So here's what Pharaoh told them. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If it's a baby boy, you kill him. If it's a girl, you can let her live. But because the midwives feared God, something our culture doesn't, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives say. They're more vigorous and have their babies so quickly we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives. Not because they lied, but because they obeyed God. He's good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives fears God, feared God, he gave them families of their own. <clears throat> then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. He said, you throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you can let the girls live. So here, he's just going to kill them all. I want all the male babies born to Hebrews killed. I want them all killed. And, uh, and so you're talking about racial profiling. They were after 
the Hebrew children. They wanted to end the Hebrew population. And, uh, and so uh, Shiprah and, uh, and Pua may have been supervisors over midwives, but they got special mention here. But let me tell you, these midwives, they not only give birth, they take care of the babies until the mother is stronger, and then they give the baby to the mother to, to take care of. And when Pharaoh ordered them to kill babies, let me tell you, he was talking to the wrong people. He was talking to people that were very pro-life in their thought pattern, all right? They were very pro-God. They were very, we're going to get these babies. They're going to live. And Pharaoh, can, he can just uh, he can go throw sand in the wind or something. But they showed great courage taking a stand for what they knew. So against Pharaoh's orders, these women, these midwives, spared the lives of the Hebrew babies. So their faith in God gave them the courage to stand for what they knew is right. Write that down. Faith in God gives you the courage to stand for what's right. And, uh, and so that's why many, many doctors in our country won't perform abortions and nurses won't. And unfortunately, there's, there's been times and times are coming when it's going to be forced upon those medical people. There's actually a law that the House of Representatives passed that the Senate has not taken up yet that would make it illegal for a doctor not to perform a, an abortion if somebody came to him. And he would have to do that. And so uh, here are these midwives. They stood up against the law. And let me tell you, there's times when you've got to stand up against what you know is wrong. <clears throat> so the Bible's filled with those examples. Let me just give you a couple. Esther and Mordecai. <clears throat> just write those down. In Esther 3, 2, it said, All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had, com for so the king had commanded but Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. So Mordecai, you know, he's a Jew. He's been held captive in Babylon. And so he's not going to bow to the king. Mordecai's a Jew. He's going to bow to who? God. He's going he's to bow to God. And so Mordecai sends this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment in verse 13 that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. So what happened was is Haman tricked the, the king of Babylon and to have an all, uh, a day when, when Jews could be killed. You could just go kill a Jew. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and when they make a law, when the king would make a law, it was irrevocable. And, uh, and so he did that. And so Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, saying, don't think for a moment because you're in the palace, you'll escape it when all the other Jews are killed. They're going to come after you too, in other words. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. You've all heard that phrase, for such a time as this. Esther was put where she was for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susan and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, uh, night or day. And the maids and I will do the same. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go see the king. And if I die, I must die. And, uh, and so she was willing to give her life for what was right, not for what was legal. And there's going to be times, and I think times are coming, when we're going to have to make some of those, some of those uh, decisions. Uh, Pastor Kathy talked about Daniel, I think, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you have heard of them? Guys got thrown in the fiery furnace. You know, here again, the king had said, you've got to bow down to my image 
when the music plays, and if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And so it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, you will, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. See, they were willing to die for their religious conviction that they worship one God. And, uh, and so, uh, so far we hadn't had to do that. But there are Christians all around the world that are dying every single day for their faith. So whenever we're ordered to disobey God uh, and his word, we must obey God rather than human authority. We write that down. We must obey God rather than a human authority. Now, that, that, that's going to be rare in a country like ours, but there are going to be those times uh, that, that we may get a law that absolutely contradicts God's word very blatantly. In Acts 5.29, Peter and the apostles replied when they were told, hey, you don't need, you got to stop preaching about this Jesus when they were by the Pharisees and, and told them this and the, or the high priest. And they said, listen, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So when somebody says, hey, you can't talk about Jesus, I got to obey God rather than human authority. You know, if you don't like it, I'm going to be trying not to be too offensive. But listen, Jesus is, is my Lord and Savior, and I don't mind people knowing that. And, and, and so there's going to be times when we're going to have to obey God rather than human authority. So the midwives were blessed because they were willing to do that. They risked their lives to obey God rather than the king. And, uh, and so you need to understand it. And all this set up the birth of Moses. Set up the birth of Moses. So in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, About this time a man and woman, y'all want me to give you the names of the man and woman? This is one of Pastor Kathy's Bible trivia questions. The, the man was a guy named Amram. How, how, uh, y'all just go, thank you, Mama. She didn't name you Amram. And the mama, the woman's name was Jochebed. Ladies, aren't you glad that your mama named you Susan, Terry, or whatever, you know, not Jacobed, you know I mean? Uh, it's like, okay. And the woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Supposed to throw him in the river at this time, remember? So she kept him hidden for three months, disobeyed the law of the land, and so... Uh, this is talking about Moses. And, and so Jochebed and Amram, they hid Moses. His brother's name was Aaron. So they didn't throw Aaron in the river either. And his sister was Miriam. And uh, they hid him for three months. And then in verse 3, it says this, But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds. Now, those papyrus reeds would, would grow 14, 15 feet high. So they made a basket of it. They used to make... Uh, river boats were made out of these papyrus reeds as well. And uh, they would float. And so she made a basket of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds of the bank of the Nile River so she could hide him. The baby's sister stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. He wasn't floating down the Nile River going to the to the princess. He was, he was hidden over there. And so uh, they had him hidden and... And it would be hard to see it, uh, but, um, 
but you know, it, it, it was it. So they hid him, and it, it was possible to find him. But Jochebed knew that Moses was special, and she was going to disobey what the king said to protect her son that God had given her. And so the only alternative she had was try and hide it. And uh, and so God used her courageous act to put Moses in the house of Pharaoh, in in a, in a place uh, where he kind of knew learned the ropes and. And learned a lot of leadership skills and then, uh, then pulled him out and made him the leader of the Israelites. And he rescued them. And so he, he was put in that place. And, uh, and so, I mean, here's, here's a Hebrew, um, you know, uh, in the middle of, in the enemy's camp. Any, any of y'all ever felt like you were surrounded by the enemy? Pastor Kathy and I used to go to a meeting up in Baton Rouge. And we would, I would have to say we would probably be the... Only people that that believed in small nonprofits doing things and that would believe in parents being able to parent their children might include a spanking or something like that. And and we it's like going into the enemy's camp sometimes. And so these guys, you know, Moses was surrounded by the enemy's camp, and uh, and so uh, God's got him up there. And so sometimes uh, when you're faced with evil. You've got to look for ways to act against it. When you're faced with evil, that's your next blank, you've got to look for ways to act against it. So you've got to look for ways to act against it. I mean, you just got to be creative. That's what, that's what Jochebed did. She figured out uh, to, to put Moses and hide him in all these reeds. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, so uh, you've got to, you, sometimes you just got to, in other words, my my daddy used to say there's always more than one way to skin a cat. I know I just made Peter mad, but uh, but you know I mean there's there's more than one way to do something, and uh, and so uh, you know that's what he did. See when when you're faced with evil, look for ways to act against it. In in Exodus chapter two verse five, it says this: Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. And her attendants walked along the riverbank. Uh, when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And she said, this must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Now, Pharaoh's daughter sees this baby, and, uh, and she's probably the daughter of Ramses Tutmos number 2. And he's a particularly cruel king, and, uh, and he made life miserable for the slaves. And that matches the dates. His rule matches the dates of the Exodus. And then it goes in verse 7. says this, Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Man, she just took the initiative and went right up there. And so listen, we got to take that initiative too. She said, uh, and, and so, yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, take this baby and nurse him for me. So here she goes and gets the baby's mama, who wants to be nursing him anyway, and, and, and she's now she's getting paid by the princess of Egypt to take care of her son instead of him being killed. And so uh, and she said, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. So she got to take him back home until he was weaned, and, uh, and then she had to bring him back. 
And so Miriam, that's Moses' sister, uh, you know, she, she's the one that saw that. And I don't know if she was afraid to approach the, the princess, but, man, she thought on her feet. She thought on her feet. And let me just tell you this. Special opportunities come along unexpectedly. Write that down. Special opportunities come along. I don't know what's wrong with the computer, but special opportunities come along unexpectedly. So don't let fear of what might happen, don't let fear of what might happen cause you to miss an opportunity. Don't let fear of what might happen cause you to miss an opportunity because you've got to act when those things come. And, uh, and so you want to you wanna do that. So special opportunities come along unexpectedly. That's the first blank in that sentence. So don't let fear or what might happen cause you to miss an opportunity. Be alert for opportunities that God gives you. And, uh, and take full advantage of them uh, when they come along. We've got to do that. And so God used Jochebed to save Moses and to preserve him so that he could lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. See how God moves things around? And what looks like something that's terrible, God's going to use it for good, and he's going to bring good out of it. And, uh, and so God doesn't need much from us to accomplish his plan for our lives. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. Focusing on our human predicament will paralyze us because the situation will appear impossible for us, right? And if Jacobed and Amram had focused on that, then uh, they would have been very depressed like many people are today. But they knew that God would, would honor what they were doing. They, they worshiped him. They served him. And so, uh, you know, when we concentrate on God and his power, he'll help us see a way out. Listen, there is always a way out. We've just got to focus on God and look to him. Remember, we've, we've said this back when we were doing 21 days of prayer. Pray first, not last, right? So we need to pray first. So when we look to God, you know, he will help us see the way out. Now, right now, you may feel like you're unable to see through your troubles. A lot of people. Uh, you know, if you listen to the news, it's still terrible. If you write, you know, some news is not as bad. But, uh, but you know, it, you, you'll, you'll think the sky's falling, the sky's falling, depending on the channel that you're watching. We've got to learn to see through the troubles. And focus instead on God. You might be thinking, you know, I don't have enough money. Listen, the United States government is printing money for you right now, but they're not your supplier. Who's our supplier? God. One day somebody's going to have to pay that money back. They just don't realize it. You know, there's no free lunch. Zig Ziglar used to say, no free lunch. And uh, so somebody's going to have to pay that back. But here's the deal. God is our provider. And so if he takes one job away, guess what he's going to do? He's going to provide another. And, 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 and sometimes he may have to take one away from you because you've been missing him telling you to go do something else. Happened to me. I mean, I, was, I knew I was supposed to be in ministry, and I ran from it for 14 years. And so finally he started making working where in the industry I was working in miserable. When I first started in hospital work, it was fun, you know. Spending other people's money It's kind of nice, you know. And, and then the money got tight, and... And so you start getting knife wounds in your back and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so then I eventually was miserable enough to leave and to go into ministry. And, and, uh, and so sometimes God got to kick you out of your comfort zone. 
to get you to do what you're doing. If, I'd, if that had stayed nice and comfortable, I'd still be doing that probably. And, uh, and so we've got we've to learn to look to God. You might not be able to see through your troubles, but as we focus on God and trust him, he'll show us the way out. And that's what I want you to go home with. In verse 10, he said, Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. She took him out of the water. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, there was a, a, one of the articles I was reading as I was preparing this. had an article on Harriet Tubman. And, uh, and she was... She was Moses in America because she freed so many slaves. I think it's like four or five hundred slaves that she led to freedom. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, just like what Moses did for the Israelites. Let me tell you something. God can use each one of us. We've just got to allow him to put us in position and be open to what he's doing in our lives. And God will do miraculous things. It might not seem like a big deal, but it is. turns out that it will be. And uh, so bow your heads and let's pray. So, Father, I just pray for each person here.